Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this is a very, very meaningful evening for us. This is an evening that holds so much depth and so much passion for us as we gather in the name of Jesus. As we sang the songs about the blood and as we sang the songs about the cross tonight, what we're doing is we're gathering all the way back to the Exodus. And that story in the Bible of when the first Passover lamb was sacrificed and where the blood was applied to the lentils and the doorposts of the home. And the firstborn of all of those who did that was spared. Tonight, we're declaring that the blood of the Lamb is still the only path to salvation. We're declaring that the blood of the Lamb is still the only way to God. Our Lord and our Savior observed Passover. It's an interesting concept, and I have been perhaps more taken with it this year than ever before, just that Jesus is celebration of Passover. I've been to Seder's. I've been to Passover services. I've taken in so many of those things and understood the rich symbolism, and maybe that's even too strong a word. I have appreciated the rich symbolism. I don't know that I've ever fully grasped all that is there in the symbolism that Christ became our Passover lamb. But it is amazing to me that on this night, Jesus would gather with his disciples like every other observant Jewish person and would have observed all of the law as he took the Passover dinner with his families, with his friends. And there as they ate that lamb and as they ate that bread and they drank together, Jesus declared that he was giving to us a symbol that we have just shared together. Something to remind us of this night that Christ really did do it. That Christ really did come and die for our sins and give his life in exchange for our sins. That we might become the righteousness of God and that God's righteousness might be put upon us. Just a few moments ago, before I walked out here, I got a text message from a Jewish friend of mine sending greetings to my family and I this evening and to this congregation as well. And as I reflect all the way back, that there's so much that brings us together that maybe sometimes as Christians, we're prone to read only Matthew through Revelation without taking in all of those other wonderful books that help us to understand just exactly what Christ did for us. For Passover means that God is more than some distant deity. God is present with us. God, as you read the book of Exodus, hears the cries of his people. God determines to deliver his people, but God was not caught by surprise for he had told Abraham that for 400 years the Jewish people would be in Israel until, in Egypt until he brought them out. And as the Jewish friends of ours tonight celebrate a deliverance from slavery and a deliverance from oppression, you and I know that there is more than one kind of Pharaoh. You and I know that Pharaoh comes in all shapes and sizes and that Christ has come to set us free from our sins. And that by coming to set us free from our sins through the blood that he shed for us at Calvary, it means that we are free. 
Not everybody that's physically free is free. Not everybody that is, has freedom that we have in America really enjoys freedom. They can be a slave to sin. They can be a slave to their passions. They can be a slave to their addictions. They can be a slave to what other people think about them. But so many, even Christians, have not found the true freedom that God has for us. Because living a life of freedom means that you get to live a life of choice. That you get to choose You get to choose whether you and your household will serve the Lord or not. You get to choose whether you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, or strength. You get to choose tonight to do what you're doing here and those of you that are online as we come together to worship our Passover lamb. Would you stand with me tonight as I read and share with you two verses of Scripture? Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Your nourishment will also come from doing the will of God. But notice what Jesus said. I don't think there's one of us in here that can say that, that we've finished our work. I go home every Sunday after a service. I'm driving home and I think of something. Oh, I wish I said that. I wish I had a thought to write this. We all have things left undone as we get ready. A friend of mine hired a house cleaner to come in and get their house totally ready and everything prepared because he and his wife both have full-time jobs and their children are are busy in life. And, And yet he told me, he says, it's still not finished according to my wife. And I think every wife in here or every homemaker in here would understand that. But Jesus says, comes from finishing his work. Now, I don't want you to miss that. For Jesus then, in the next passage from John chapter 19, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty, and a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Nobody murdered Jesus. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus gave his life for you and me. Can we give him a hand of praise for that tonight? He gave his life for you and me. Join me as we pray together tonight. Father, on this Good Friday evening, on this night of Passover that happened so many thousands of years ago, we gather in your presence to remember We gather in your presence to humble ourselves. We gather in your presence, O Lord, to contemplate all that Calvary means to us. Lord, we gather not to grovel, but we gather to worship. We gather, Lord, not to mourn, but we gather to wonder and to marvel at such love and such grace that Christ would die for a sinner such as I. Lord, we gather in your presence tonight, and we want to spend tonight and tomorrow preparing our hearts to come and celebrate the greatest day of the year, Easter Sunday. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. There were many times in the dorm when I was going to college that all of a sudden you'd hear somebody say, 
you did it, or he did it, or she did it. And we would hear these exclamations of joy when someone had asked a friend that we all knew was coming had asked someone that they loved to become their husband or become their wife. I can remember times if we were raising our children when we would be playing putt-putt or something, and maybe, maybe I would get lucky enough that I would get a hole in one, and I can see my boys and my daughter jumping up and down and saying, you did it, you did it, you got a hole in one. I can hear those times when I've said to somebody else, you really did do that. I remember a friend of mine telling me about a car he was going to buy. And I said, really? That, that car is... Man, that's every guy's dream. I mean, every guy just would long to have a car. You're really going to buy it? He goes, yeah. I said, I'll believe it when I see it. And he roars up into my driveway into a Porsche convertible, and it's all top down, and he's looking happy and grinning like a goat eating briars, and he gets out and says, you want to drive it? And I go, are you serious? And so I drive that Porsche Carrera and I'm going to tell you, never have I sinned so boldly on the highway. Keith, you can come get me later. It's one of those times we say, you really did this. I kept saying that to, to him. This, you really did this. And sometimes I marvel at what Jesus really did do for us. You say to me, Pastor, what did he do that was so marvelous? Well, first of all, he broke the power of sin in my life. He broke the power of sin in your life tonight. And Pharaoh is a type of sin. Pharaoh is that sin, if you want to use it, it's that thing that's got you in slavery. And if you could put that up on the screen for us, that Jesus broke the power of sin in my life. It's that thing that binds us and controls us. And I've shared with you before that sin is more, there's sins, those are the things we do, but sin is that power that's at work in the world and it's a dominating power, it's an influential power. The law is good. The Bible tells us that the law is good. It reveals to us the will of God. It reveals to us the goodness of God. It reveals to us how to be separate from the world. It reveals to us how to live a life of separation from the world, but live in the world. Now listen, this is important. I've worked hard to try to be able to say this where you get it. It teaches us how to live in separation of the world, but in the world, not in imitation of the world. Do you get what I'm saying? We're separated, but Jesus left us to live in the world. He says, I'm not taking you out of the world. I'm living you in the, leaving you in the world. And so the mistake of some people is, instead of living a life of separation, of love and truth and godliness and holiness and patience and long-suffering and mercy and peace, they live more in imitation of the world, thinking that the ways of the world will somehow or another be successful in getting things accomplished, and we find out that it never does. It never saves. The UN will never save the world. The White House will never save the world. The European Union will never save the world. Only Jesus, who has broken the power of sin, only Jesus has the power to save all. It's not that the law was bad. Look at the Word of God with me tonight. The law of Moses was unable to save us. What was the law of Moses? Think the Ten Commandments. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body 
Like the bodies we sinners have, who was the son? It was Jesus. He sent Jesus in a body like yours and like mine. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us, Pharaoh's control over us, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. You see, all of nature has laws. God has laws. And though people want to flaunt those laws and challenge those laws, those laws are there for, in the laws of nature and the law of God, they're there for good reasons. They're there to to protect us. They're there to help us have life. But the keeping of the law could never change our hearts. The outward trying to keep the law could never change who we were. It's why Jesus said, you know, maybe you haven't murdered, but if you've hated in your heart, maybe you've not committed adultery, but maybe if you've lusted in your heart, Jesus says you're guilty of breaking the law. Paul Paul takes this maybe even a little bit further when he says, if you accuse somebody else of lying, haven't you lied? If you accuse somebody else of stealing, haven't you stealed? He goes through all of these things that help us to see how hopeless it is that the law condemns us. I almost ran a traffic light talking with a man in the church this week, and it was a hands-free call, and and I remember I was so caught up in the conversation with him, I said, whew, I almost ran that traffic light. And I honestly didn't even know that traffic light was there. I was in a part of town that I'm not normally in. And, and the thought crossed my mind, maybe because of working for Good Friday and preparing for Good Friday, and I said to him, but ignorance of the law wouldn't save me from the consequences of the law. A young woman was killed just recently because somebody ran a traffic signal close by to our church. My heart is broken for that family. But the consequences, maybe the person didn't mean to run the red light. I'm sure the person didn't want that to happen in a million years, but maybe they were distracted. Maybe they were trying to get somewhere on time, and they thought they could beat the light. And as it was, a, a young high school girl lost her life. Life is filled with laws, and if you break those laws, there are consequences. And if you break the laws of God, there are consequences. And so when Jesus says it's finished, we need to understand he's broken the power of sin in our lives. He has broken what the law could not do. He has set us free from Pharaoh. And just as Israel crossed through the Red Sea, your baptism is also a symbolism of that, that you've been born again into new life. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? It's finished. Now, as far as I know, I don't have any outstanding tickets. I don't have any outstanding warrants. I don't have any outstanding charges or anything like that. As far as I know, there's no parking tickets or anything. But if there were, and I say got pulled, I ran the red light, and they took my license, and they ran my license, and they go, oh, Hmm, you have an outstanding warrant here. Oh, you have unpaid part. Oh, you have a speeding ticket you haven't paid. Or if Becky and I were divorced and I was supposed to be paying child support and I hadn't paid it, go, oh, you haven't been paying your child support. No, you didn't call your mama today like you're supposed to call your mama every day. It would all show up on that computer. And I would not only be charged with having ran a traffic light, Maybe a minor infraction in somebody's eyes, especially in Detroit where people 
think yellow means go very, very, very fast. Maybe they would, somebody just said true. <laughs> Maybe they would think that, but once I broke one, then all of a sudden all the other charges come up. And there will come a day when all of us will stand before the Lord. And perhaps like I had to do in Atlanta one time when I had to go to court when I got pulled for going too fast in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to tell you something. The Georgia Highway Patrol, they will get you. Be ye not deceived. They will get you. And when I appeared before the judge and he asked me, how did I plead? I said, guilty, Your Honor. And he looked up at me and he started laughing. He said, well, that was a pretty enthusiastic guilty. And I said, well, Your Honor, honestly, I was going faster than what he put on that ticket. He started laughing. I said, I can't lie. And I said, he goes, well, we got to take care of this, don't we? And I go, yes, sir. He says, what do you do? So I didn't want to tell him, but I told him anyway. He says, how about we settle for $25, preacher? Is that okay? (laughs) Of course it was okay. Here's my point. If there had been anything else, the judge wouldn't have laughed. If there had been anything else, there wouldn't have been any humor If there had been anything else, I might have been incarcerated. And friends, I want you to know that when it comes between God and me, there is nothing there tonight. When it comes between God and you, there is nothing there tonight. Because when Christ died for your sins upon the cross, he said, it is finished. It is is paid for. All your sins have been canceled and the power of sin has been broken. Can we give him another hand of praise this evening? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful news? That when we stand before the Lord, the debt has been paid. Secondly, Jesus defeated death for me. When he said it is finished, Death was defeated, sin was defeated, sin's power was broken. I look at that cross tonight and I sat where my wife is sitting just a few moments ago and the tears just began to flow and I, maybe it's Good Friday because I'm not normally a crier but tears just began to flow as I thought about what Christ had done for me. 50 years ago, as a 16-year-old boy, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And ever since that day, I have not feared death because it is finished. I have no idea all the glories that await me on the other side of this life. But I know that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And to be with Him, that will be heaven enough for you and me tonight. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I look at the cross tonight and I get the benefit of eternal life. I get the benefit of forgiveness of my sins. I get the benefit tonight of sin's power being broken over me. I get the benefit of living abundant life. I get the benefit of being able to gather and to worship with you this evening. And I'll tell you, do I deserve it? No. A thousand times no. Do you deserve it? No. A thousand times no. It's why we call it grace when God doesn't give us what we deserve, but he blesses and gives to us abundant and eternal life. 
Let's come back to this idea of sin because I know it makes people uncomfortable, but after all, that's why we're here tonight, to remember what Jesus did for us. With the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. In your outline, or if you're using our app tonight, highlight or circle that word triumph over death. I get a lot of calls, a lot of calls. When we gather for prayer on Saturday nights, last week 148 people gathered with us for prayer. As we gather, there are people sending messages about someone with a terminal disease, with cancer, or something of that nature. And each of us tonight need to understand something from the day we were born to this day. We're all dying. I knelt on the floor beside our grandson tonight and kissed his head while he was laying there kicking little Josiah and hugged on him and loved on him before I came to church and gave God thanks for his life. And, you know, without a miracle from God, we have no idea how long Josiah would live, but he brings such joy, such joy, amazing joy. And though I pray every single day his name, which means the Lord heals, and I ask God to heal him, and I ask God to one day give us the opportunity to share our story together, I know that unless God intervenes with a miracle that maybe Josiah might even beat me to heaven. And as I pray over him, I look up to heaven with gratitude because death holds no fear. Death holds no fear because you know there's more to this life than what we're living now. And you say, why? Because even though we're all terminal, whether we have cancer or any other disease, we are all terminal. The death rate among everyone is 100%. Even though we will all die one day unless Jesus comes first, you and I know that tonight we will not stand before God in our sins if we have received Christ as our Savior. We will stand with the blood of Jesus covering our lives because we follow in the path of the blood of of the lamb, the blood that was put on a house to make the death angel pass over and save the firstborn is the same blood applied to you and I this evening, the blood of the Passover lamb. Jesus, Paul says, Jesus, Paul says, Jesus is the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. My brother-in-law called me just a few minutes before service tonight. We prayed together. He said, you know, I just had a thought I said, oh, Gary, that is so good. I'm going to share that tonight's message. He said, you know, Simon, the Cyrene, Cyrene is what we call Libya today. Simon carried the cross of Christ. He said, do you realize that Simon was probably covered in the blood of Jesus as he carried the cross up Mount Calvary? And just that thought suddenly gripped my heart and one hand is up in the air while I'm driving to the house and I'm giving God thanks because tonight the blood of Jesus still covers our lives. 
And when we hold the bread and the cup, may we remind ourselves of that. You say, why did he do it, Pastor? Hebrews 2, 14, because God's children are human beings. Made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Why can we live free from the fear of dying? Because Jesus finished. Because he paid the debt. He canceled the record of sin against us. There are no charges. There are no hidden fees. There are no hidden penalties. Your sins have been atoned for tonight. That's wonderful news this evening. And the reason people live in fear of death is because they wonder what will happen to me on the other side? And some try to drown it. Some try to deny it. Some try to say it's not going to happen. Some lie to themselves and say, I'm going to party in hell. But deep inside of us, eternity lives. And each of us knows there is life after death. And for those who have embraced Christ as their Savior, I'll continue in the series of promises this Sunday morning and for four more Sundays afterwards. But the very first message we looked at was heaven. None of us fully understand heaven, but all that we saw, if you love the idea of no more war, if you love the idea of every, no more hungry children, if you love the idea of no more sickness, if you love the idea of a world that is free from pollution, if you love the idea of people loving one another, if you love the idea of everyone gathering in one big family and worshiping the Lord, then you love the idea that Christ died for your sins and for all who will receive him as their Lord and Savior, God has as a home for them in heaven. There are dimensions of life that I will never know. My friend who drives a Porsche Carrera that's worth more than my home, I'll never know that. have no desire to know that, but I did love driving it. I did love the taste of feeling that leather hit me in the back when I punched it, and it said, let's go, let's go, let's go. I love the smell of it. And I don't go to bed at night dreaming about a Porsche Carrera. There are a lot of nights I go to bed dreaming about heaven. I've been so privileged to enjoy dimensions of life that have only given me a taste. And I've talked to people, and I've been in their homes and been guests in their homes, people who have literal trains under their house that they ride a train under their house to get the service people do to fix the stuff and just magnificent their basements are paradise but I've had a taste and that taste has made me count all of the things of this world as though they are nothing but dunk because they will not hold a comparison to what God has prepared for you and I in heaven so don't fear death. Live boldly. Live freely. God's broken the power of sin. God's taken the power of death away from you. But Jesus also gives you victory in every facet of your life. How many of you have ever discovered this? Maybe you haven't, but Becky and I have discovered life can be difficult sometimes. Anybody in here agree with me on that? If so, just lift your hand. Can life be difficult? Life can be challenging. 
How many of you know marriages can be challenging sometimes? Have anybody ever had some challenging moments in their marriage? Sure. How many of you know that raising a family can be challenging? And every teenager in here said, oh, yes. How many of you know raising your parents can be a challenge? Okay. You see, there's a cosmic battle that's going on tonight. Paul describes it like this. He says, our warfare is not against people. But our warfare is against the principalities and the powers of darkness. And now listen, those of you online, you really need to pay attention because maybe there's something else going on in your house right now. But you see, the enemy would like to distract you. The enemy would like to distract you. Maybe you're at already at extravaganza tomorrow. Maybe you're thinking about something else. Bring your heart and mind right back to this word. Because there is a war going on. And God has already defeated the devil, but Satan hates God, and Satan hates you. And the only way to hurt God is to hurt you. The only way to get at God is to get at you, and so this war that goes on, this battle between principalities and powers of darkness when you see what's happening in Ukraine and cities being leveled and the bodies of children and women and you see everything that's going on there and your heart grieves and you break as you watch that, there's this cosmic battle that's going on. And when I pray for our soldiers, when I pray for those who service as first responders, I realize there's this battle that is going on just recently, I had lunch with a police officer, and he looked across the table, and he says, would you please pray for us? Then he asked again, he says, would you get other people to pray for us? He says, we never know what's going to happen when we go out there. And then he said something to me that I'll never forget. He goes, Pastor, every time I put this uniform on, I'm a target. He said, every time a police officer puts this uniform on, they're a target. And it just so happens that he happens to be the chief of police. And he said, the reason I wear a uniform and not a suit and tie is because I want the rank and file to know I stand with them tonight. Friends, I want you to know God is not a distant deity. Jesus has stood where we stood. He has faced the battles of life. He has faced the conflicts of life. And he took Satan on and he defeated him and he beat him at Calvary. And we will celebrate his resurrection Easter morning. But but tonight, God is not a distant deity. The Exodus and the Passover and Good Friday is all about the fact that God is present with us tonight. Can we give him another hand of praise? He's here. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I listened to a child tell me just recently some of you will appreciate this. I listened to this 10-year-old child tell me why we needed to go to wind power and we needed to stop using fossil fuels. And I said, well, help me understand that and just explain it to me. So he went through a whole list of things that, about how wind power was the hope of the future. 
And I looked at him and just let him talk and I just listened to him. He won't know now, but I'm doing everything that I can personally to, to see that he will inherit a better earth and a cleaner earth if Jesus tarries that long. But I told him what I'll tell you. It's not wind and it's not fossil. The preserver of the human race and the preserver of the cosmos and the preserver of this earth is Jesus Christ who died for us in him, by him, through him. All things were created and are held together tonight. And what Satan has done has spoiled what God gave us on this planet. Listen, Satan can only hate. He cannot create. Satan can only hate. He cannot create. He cannot give you a new life. Only Jesus can give you a new life. Satan perverts. Satan destroys. Satan abuses. Satan enslaves. Satan murders. Satan kills. And when Jesus died at Calvary, he broke that power. And I'm sure the devil thought that he had won. I'm sure that Pilate thought that he had won. I'm sure that Caiaphas thought he had won. I'm sure that once they rolled that stone in front of the tomb, they thought that it was all over. But friends, understand this tonight. Jesus Christ came to to finish what he started and that was to die in your place and in my place and in all those that came before us and all those that will come after us so that we might know him here's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tonight amen amen and amen that's why he came and then finally Jesus gives me a local family now you may not understand that one of our pastors thought I'd misspelled a word, and this is a word we coined many, many years ago here. Woodland is a local church with a global mission. And since we coined that, a lot of places have begun using it. A lot of churches have begun using it. What do we mean? We recognize that we're just a part of the body of Christ. Tonight, all over the world, people are gathering Christians, some in secret hiding places because it's against the law and illegal for them to gather. Some like us, others in grand cathedrals, but they're gathering tonight to worship. I watched the clock and the, it's just kind of swung through time thinking about all the services and the prayers going up. And I've reflected upon my Asian friends that I've worshiped with my island friends that I've worshipped with, my African friends, my European friends, my friends in South America and Central America. I've reflected upon the different tribes that I've been able to be with. And as I've reflected upon that, I've realized what a huge family that I'm a part of tonight. Not only a part of the local body of Christ that is here and, and downriver, but I'm a part of a global family but as I was giving God thanks for this family and lifting my hands, a passage of Scripture came to me. You have now come unto Mount Zion, a gathering of saints, not only of those that are worshiping here, but those that are worshiping in heaven tonight. Those that are giving God thanks for the blood of the Lamb. And so when I read Ephesians 2.19, it means something altogether different for me. So now you Gentiles, that's you and me. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you're one of these people. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. What does that mean? What does a family do? 
Family loves each other. Family supports each other. Family cares. Family sticks together. I think we've all marveled if you've kept up and I've tried to keep people updated on what the church has been doing in Ukraine, a persecuted, suffering church. I was sent a picture of a pastor of one of our affiliated churches that was murdered by the Russians this last week. And all he was doing was housing refugees and providing food and water. You say, surely that was a defeat. Oh, it's painful. It's a loss. But for him, it was all gain. For him, the power of death had been broken. As I looked at this brother's picture and wept for his family that's refugees now in Poland, I gave God thanks for his remarkable courage to stay and face down the enemy. That's what a family does. They don't run from the enemy. They meet the enemy. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So on this Good Friday, as we prepare to pray together, I want to tell you, God will finish what he has begun in you. God will finish what he's begun in this community of faith. God will finish what he's going to do in the church and down river and around the world. God will finish what he's going to do in his church to the ages because the blood of Jesus has not lost its power. The blood of Jesus has never been shed in vain. I miss running. My knees just won't let me do it anymore. Through all those years that I ran until just a few years ago, a lot of times people would say, can I go for a run with you? I'd say, okay, I'm going for six miles. You want to go? And I'd go, yeah. You could always tell the people who really hadn't run, especially younger people that hadn't run. First mile, they were just chattering away. They were just keeping up. Pastor, you're getting old. Sometimes they take off ahead of me. I just let them go. The older you get, you learn how to pace yourself. Is that right? You just learn how to pace yourself. Pretty soon, I'd catch up with them, and about mile three, they weren't talking anymore. And a young person hasn't quite yet learned what somebody my age has learned. It's probably better just to go ahead and stop and say, I'll see you later, Pastor. They're going to finish that run. Sometimes they've called me back and said, I can't move. They've called me and said, I can't get up. And I told them, I said, you didn't have to finish. I've never had an older person tell me this. But I've had so many young people tell me this. I wasn't about to let you outrun me. <laughs> you know what they're saying, don't you? You old. That's what they're saying. You old. And in this race, you're going to finish. And when you close your eyes, 
you're going to wake up in a dimension of life that you've never known. And you may go through some trials like those first Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea. They didn't realize what a life of faith was all about. They didn't realize the kind of steps you have to take as a child of God. And maybe you thought that somehow or another when you cross the line, there'd be no more struggle. But sometimes God allows the struggle to get what's left of Pharaoh in Egypt out of us. Sometimes God allows the struggle so that we're purified and we learn to say, I can't make it anymore. And then you come and you find a place at the altar and you kneel and you lift your hands and worship and you say, Lord, I need grace to finish the race. Or you're going to finish. I grew up so worried that one little sin was going to keep me out of heaven. And I still hold a firm conviction that if you choose, you can walk away from Christ. But I got to tell you something. It's hard to walk away from Christ. He won't let you go. He will come after you. He will chase you. He will pursue you. He will apprehend you. You may choose like Demas. You may choose like Israel when God said to them, I have wounded you from the top of your head to the very soles of your feet. Why won't you repent? God won't let you go easily. And I don't want him to let me go easily. Do you? That's good news to know he won't let me go. But I don't think that's anybody's worry here tonight or watching online because you wouldn't be taking a Friday evening. Hypocrites don't come to church on a Friday night. We come because we're grateful for what Christ has done. I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable. If not, you can use your pew, but I'm going to ask you to come and find a place in the altar. Kind of spread out. Use the front pews. But let's come and kneel in His presence tonight. I want to pray briefly these four points over each of our lives before we go home. If you're not comfortable, just kneel at your pew. I understand, but let's spend some time in prayer. I'm not going to wait long, but if you're going to come to the altar and pray as a church family, come. But if not, just kneel where you're at, and I want to pray over us in just a moment. If you're able to kneel, just kneel in His presence. Jesus. Jesus. 
his head upon that cross and he says it is finished it's accomplished it's done there are no outstanding warrants there are no outstanding charges there are no outstanding sins hallelujah he has atoned for you once and for all The Bible says that in coming like we're coming tonight, we're coming to the throne of grace. We're coming to the mercy seat. And just like Simon, we are covered in the blood. We are washed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I thank you this evening. As we gather in your presence tonight, God, we live our life following the path of the Lamb. The Savior who said, Come and follow me. The Savior who shed his blood for us. While we kneel in your presence tonight, we give you thanks. The power of sin is broken in my life. The power of sin, would you say that? The power of sin is broken in my life. Now let me tell you two things that are going to happen, and I'm going to pray over them for you. You're going to be tempted to do wrong. You're going to be tempted to sin. And the enemy will come. This is how he does that cosmic war I was talking about. He'll make that temptation look so good. And then when you give into it, he'll condemn you. He will say, you're not a Christian. How could God love you after Jesus shed his blood and you did that? I have two things to tell you. There's no temptation that's going to come to you that you cannot overcome in Jesus' name. And there is now, therefore, no more condemnation to those of us who put our faith in Christ. So, Jesus, tonight we recognize the power of sin is broken and we can choose to love. We can choose to do good. We can choose to be patient, to be kind, to be faithful, to be submissive, to be loyal, to be humble, Lord. We can choose to follow in the path of the blood of the Lamb. When we are meek, we are not weak, Lord. But we are filled with your amazing grace. Hallelujah. 
Secondly, tonight, Jesus has defeated death for you. Maybe as you're kneeling here in this altar, if you're just honest with the Lord, you'd say, Father, I really am afraid. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of death. God wants to free you from that. God wants you to know that when you close your eyes, you just pass right into the presence of Jesus Christ. When you close your eyes, your body stops working and you breathe your last. Those of us that are alive and remain, we will weep, we will mourn, but we will rejoice with hope for we know that you're in the presence of God Almighty. Tonight from heaven, there are people that if God lets them look down from our family that are smiling down upon us and said, we won, we won, we won. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for Dick. I thank you for Sharon tonight. I thank you for Dave. I thank you for Juanita, Lord. I thank you for Oscar. I thank you for John. I thank you for Augustine, Lord. I could go on and on, Lord. I thank you for Dave who are all gathered in your presence, singing, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. God, free us from that fear. And then thirdly tonight, God wants you to know victory in every area of your life. And if there's an area where you're suffering loss or you feel like you're not winning right now or you feel like you're not achieving, you feel like you're doing less than your best, would you just tell God that right now? Just say, God, here's an area that you know and I know I need help in. When I pray like this every day, I pray for myself as a person, as a husband, or partner, as a parent or grandparent, as a pastor, and as a pilgrim. Every facet of my life. There's a reason that I say, come on, victory, so much. I love it when you laugh, or I love it when you smile, but I want it deep in your soul. Wesley was right. God has called us to live an overcoming life we can experience victory in all of our relationships. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. The battle has already been won. I thank you that the enemy is defeated and crushed, that we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and we have been put into the kingdom of your dear son. Tonight, we are seated in heavenly places. Tonight, we are in the presence of God. Tonight, God is with us. Tonight, the victory is ours. Tonight, those things that have been confessed and asked for your help with, you, Lord, have given victory in that very area tonight. Receive that in the name of Jesus Christ. Just say, Lord, I receive it right now. And then finally, let's give God thanks. God's going to have a full house. God's going to have a full heaven. God has a place for you and for me. Let's give him thanks 
One day America will crumble, Europe will crumble, Russia will crumble, China will crumble, but the church will live on. Hallelujah. I thank you that your body, Lord, is eternal. I thank you that your body is eternal. And I thank you that from the islands of the seas, Lord, to the darkest parts of every continent, to the highest peaks, Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord. There are people gathered all over the world worshiping you tonight in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you as you kneel in his presence. May the Lord who led you forth out of your captivity to sin, may the Lord who took your place at Calvary, may the Lord who shed his blood for you and kisses your face tonight and says, you are my son, you are my daughter. May you rise in the strength and the power of the crucified Christ who lives to ever intercede for you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give him a hand of praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. Some of you are like me. It takes a little longer to get up off the knee now. <laughs> Pastor Corey, would you come and dismiss us this evening? God bless you. I love you. Pray for me tomorrow. I'm doing a wedding for a wonderful couple from our church. Pray for them. Pray for the extravaganza and spend some time praying for the Easter services. You still got time to invite people and to share all the stuff we put on Facebook and online with you. Corey. Thank you, Pastor. Well, we've got a wonderful day planned tomorrow, and so make sure you join us. If you're volunteering, gentlemen, make sure you're here by 9. Um, ladies, sleep in. Enjoy yourselves. Be here by 10. But make sure you invite people, and let's have a wonderful time tomorrow just celebrating. And then don't forget Easter Sunday, 10 o'clock, 1130. It's going to be a wonderful time celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So make sure you plan on being with us. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.